another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. I'm so glad that you've chosen to tune in. We are in a in a study, Hope When You're at the End of Your Rope, Lessons from Ruth on Trust, Surrender, and Healing. I've really loved going through this study. There has been so much that I've gained from it, and I hope you feel the same way. If you are brand new and are listening to the podcast for the first time, I encourage you to listen to the previous episodes in the series. We've talked about how going down God's path is always going to be the best way, even when it doesn't initially look to be a way that you want to go down. And we talked last week about how his way leads to blessings. And I don't mean a bigger house or a bigger car necessarily. I mean, blessings such as inner peace, the blessing of protection and care that we get from God when we walk in his way, the blessing of his counsel. So if you've not checked out those episodes, go ahead and do so. In this particular episode, I want to focus on the idea of trusting God, but expand it even further and trusting God, particularly in those situations where it just doesn't make sense. Maybe as you're listening, you've gone down a particular path that God has pointed you down and you, you may not have wanted to go down that path. You may have asked God not to go down that path. You may have begged him, but it's eventually you may have just said, okay, God, I'll go down it. But as you're going down it, you may be in a place where you've met with difficulty, with sorrow And you may be saying to God, you know what, Lord, I didn't really want to go down this path and see where I am right now. This, this situation, I kind of thought this might happen and you might not yet know how all of it's going to turn out. And it may be frustrating and you may be wanting at the moment to just kind of throw in the towel and just say, you know what, Lord, I'm not sure that, that I can really trust what you're telling me and I'm going to go my own way or I'm just going to start doing what I feel is best in this situation or, you know, erecting a different fortress to rely on rather than, than God in this situation. It's easy to have confidence in him and cling to him when in a tough situation, but when his answer to us doesn't really make sense or he doesn't change our situation the way we want him to, we can find ourselves losing confidence. Maybe we willingly went down a path. And then we were surprised by difficulty. And so we're wavering. Whatever scenario we find ourselves in, it is difficult in those places where we cannot see how the situation is going to turn. Or we may have been walking in difficulty for a really long time without seeing a change. We can really question God. In words in scriptures, such as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the word trust used in those scriptures translates as betach in Hebrew, and it means to have confidence or rely upon. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And what it's talking about in that passage is this idea of not being wise in our own eyes, of not believing that we know best, but This idea of relying upon and depending upon God to lead us even down paths that we really don't want to go down and in our own wisdom don't really seem to be the path that we would want to go down. But it's more than just having confidence in, it's literally the idea of lying helpless or face down like a servant 
awaiting a master's command. And this description I read in, in Warren Wearsby's commentary, but it's just literally this idea of a servant waiting for a master telling him what to do next, this level of trust. In Ruth 3, we see that Ruth really demonstrates what this type of trust, this really looks like the idea that's talked about in verses such as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 of, of really awaiting our master's next command. Ruth, as we've discussed in, in the series, was in a dire situation. She really needed God to come through for her, that she followed Naomi to this unknown place away from her homeland, away from her comforts, away from familiarity and hopes of really prosperity. She was following Naomi into a life of what she knew would probably be poverty because they were both widows and she didn't know if anything was really going to change in her situation. But once she arrived in Judah, she got right to work doing the only thing she really could, which was gleaning in a field. At that time, there was provision for those who are poor. They could glean behind harvesters in a field. But this wasn't an ideal way to live. And they were pretty much needed more to sustain themselves. I mean, they were just barely getting by with what they were doing. And so Naomi desires to see Ruth married so that she can once again flourish and have a much better life than she's living at the moment. At this time, if a husband died, a brother could step up and offer to marry the widow. And in this way, they would kind of keep the the family line and they would also preserve, you know, the woman would have be protected and, and this would be a provision for her. But if there was no brother, then another male relative could do it. But in many cases, the, the male relative would had the, you know, may not want to do it and could have that choice of not doing it. So they were really at the mercy of other people saying yes or no. And they didn't really have a whole lot of say in how their situation would turn out. There was no brother of Ruth's late husband that could step up to the plate. So their only other hope would be a male relative of the family. So Naomi comes up with this plan for a, for, for, for Ruth. And we're going to see it in Ruth three, her relative Boaz is a garden redeemer of the family. And she, we get the sense that Naomi believes that there is somewhat of an interest that Boaz may have. And so she advises Ruth to go down to the threshing floor where Boaz is threshing his harvest and do the following. We're going to go ahead and pick up in Ruth three. One day, Ruth, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing, winnowing barley on the threshing floor, wash, put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. 
When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly and covered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a garden redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you, but if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So there's a lot in this passage that I want to go ahead and unpack, but what can we learn from Ruth's actions, what she does here about trust in a difficult situation? The first point I want to bring about is trusting God means doing what he tells us, even when we don't understand. Naomi tells Ruth to wash, put on perfume, get dressed in her best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor where Boaz is threshing barley from the harvest. When he falls asleep, Ruth is to lie down at his feet, wait for him to wake up, and do what he says. Ruth's response is what all of us need to have when God directs us a certain way. I will do whatever she say. It is the same response that Mary had when the angel appeared to her and Mary said, May it be done to me according to your word. When she learns that she's going to be pregnant with the Messiah, even though she's scared and has questions, she says, may it be done to me according to your word. And Ruth says a similar thing. I will do whatever you say. Now, Naomi is the one that's giving advice to Ruth in this passage here. It's not God, but what we can, I think, take away from this is that Ruth must have known that this was God's will for her because she doesn't resist what Naomi is saying, but understands that she's giving her advice that is good and goes with it. Because we do see earlier in in Ruth 1, we do see that Ruth doesn't take her mother-in-law's advice. Her mother-in-law tells her to go back to her homeland and she continues on with her. So Ruth will stand on her own when she needs to, but here she does understand it seems that this is God's will for her because she says, I will do whatever you say. And then she, she does it. And the thing about the advice that Naomi get, gives her is that it is slightly unusual. There's nothing wrong with what Naomi tells Ruth to do, but it is slightly unusual. Now, there was a custom during this time that servants would lie at the feet of their master and take part of the master's garment over them, but Ruth wasn't a servant of Boaz. And there was also another custom during this time where during a marriage ceremony, a groom would throw his skirt over a woman, the the bride, 
as a symbol of him taking her under his protection. But again, this was during a marriage ceremony. So there were these customs in place, but it does seem to be a little odd that Ruth would sneak into the, the threshing floor at night, wait for him to go to sleep, lie down at his feet, and then uncover his feet and ask him to spread his garment over her. It does seem a little odd. And the reason we get the sense that it even is a little unusual is because even though Boaz has a favorable response to her, he still tells her that others must not see her on the threshing floor and that she needs to go home right when it, you know, when it's, when it's early before others can see her. There does seem to be a concern on his part that others will know that she was on the threshing floor. So this doesn't seem to be something that people are regularly doing, even though it's not inappropriate and he's not offended by her action, that he actually looks upon it quite favorably and praises her. But it, there are these unusual steps that she she takes. And what we can really take away from this is that God's ways are really not our, our ways. Now, technically in the story, it's Naomi who's telling Ruth to do what she does. But again, we kind of get the sense that this is that these this is God's will for Ruth because of how it turns out in the story. But it just made me think when I was reading it, and this could just be my own commentary on the story, but it made me think about how often when we're walking with God, that his instructions to us are going to be often very unusual and we don't understand them. And it's at that point that we say, Lord, I don't even understand what you're telling me. And we can, it can be a sticking point for us. We can say, you know, a lot of us, if you're anything like me, you want to understand before you proceed, but we have to do things even when we don't understand everything God tells us is always going to line up with scripture. I'm not telling you do whatever crazy thought pops up in your mind, but I am saying that if God is telling you to go a certain way and he's confirmed that to you and it lines up with scripture, it may still be not that which you really want to do and may even be a little against social mores of the time. It may not necessarily be something that you're really comfortable with or people are doing all the time. And even in those places where his instructions you are unusual, we can just say, Lord, whatever it is, I'll do it. I trust you. I don't have to understand that I'll just simply go along with what you say. And when we obey, we are given God's help and provision, just like here, Boaz responds favorably to Ruth and promises to work on her behalf when he basically discovers what she is after, which is basically him becoming her guardian redeemer and marrying her. The second point I want to bring about is trusting God means doing what we have been given to do and leaving the rest to him. Ruth does what Naomi tells her to do, and then she goes home. So just as she trusts the godly instructions Naomi gives her and fulfills them, she then trusts that Boaz, as a guardian redeemer, will take care of the matter. So what this is telling us is that in a similar matter, manner, we can trust that Jesus as our guardian redeemer will do as he has promised. When we bring a matter to him, we can trust he has got it and we don't have to worry about the situation any longer. If he has directed us in a particular path, we can walk with him knowing he is working on our behalf. A lot of times what happens is when God tells us to do whatever 
unusual thing it is. There may be a series of instructions or, you know, we're walking in faith and we may not even understand what he's telling us. And we may go ahead and do it, but then when nothing happens, when we are not given anything more to do and we're wondering, okay, what's next? And we're praying about it. We're not hearing anything from God. And we know that God's working on behalf, but we just can't see what he's doing and it's taking a really long time. Then it's in that place that we can be tempted to try to take over the matter ourselves, to do more than we should, to not really rest in what he's doing. But what we see here is that Ruth does not attempt to do anything beyond what she is told to do. She goes home and Naomi tells her, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. And that's verse 18. She doesn't try to go and see Boaz once again. She doesn't show up at the town gate. She doesn't do anything more than what she has been told to do. And she simply calmly waits and doesn't try to control the outcome. What detail we need to look at in the story is the fact that Boaz is not even their nearest relative. They thought he was, but there's another relative that's actually nearer and would be the one that could claim Ruth as his wife. And so when Ruth goes home, she doesn't even know if Boaz is going to be her husband by the end of the day, if that route is going to be the one that's going to be chosen, or if this other relative is going to be the man that's going to claim her. And she has no knowledge of this other person, has, from what we gather in the story, has never met him and doesn't even know who he is. And so you can imagine just the tension and the suspense that must have been there because even though it's not stated outright in the story, we get the sense that Naomi is, or Ruth, I'm sorry, is, if she she does have some affection towards Boaz. Now, Boaz is older than her from what we understand. And she's doing what's best for her family. But she does have some level of trust and respect for him. And they apparently get along quite well because of what we see, how we see them interacting earlier. And this other person, she doesn't know this other male relative. And that could be a really scary thing for her. So often when we're in that place of not really knowing what the outcome is, is that's when we try to control it. And we may have circumstances present themselves like Ruth does here, which present the possibility of the outcome going in a very undesirable way. And that can make us really just want to clamp down and say, God, I've got to do something here. But Ruth continues to trust God will work things out and rests in his provision and protection. One of the things I was thinking when I was doing putting these points together was I thought of, I have a friend on, on Facebook who put up a meme recently and there's this picture of a guy who's peering around a door and he has just this, his eyeballs are kind of bulging out and he has this funny expression on his face. But on the top of the picture, it says me trying to monitor the thing I left in God's hands. Okay. The guy kind of looking around the door and on the bottom, it says, Hey, it's me again, just checking up on the status. So it's just this guy who's kind of peering around the door. Hey, God, just checking up. Are you still working on it? And I think that's kind of how we are. We say, God, I'm going to leave this in your hands. 
and then we get worried about it again and we peer around the door and say, hey, God, are you still working on that? Have, have you come up with anything? Can, can you tell me what's going on? We want to know what's going on. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast your, all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. Cast means to throw upon or place upon. It literally means to throw away. God literally wants to throw our requests and concerns on him. Yet we're so bad about taking them on ourselves again and taking, trying to take control of them once we've given them over to him. I want to just wrap up by saying, if you're listening and you're in a make it or break it kind of situation, that it can be very hard to step out in faith and do what God asks if the instructions are unusual and they don't make sense. And oftentimes they won't. And then uh, sort of the double whammy is once you've even stepped out in that way, when you don't hear anything from God, it can be hard to trust that he's indeed working on your behalf and he's doing anything in your circumstance. But what we see here is that Ruth does both. She does what is required of her and she just accepts it. She doesn't question it. She doesn't try to come up with a more, you know, less unusual path. She just does what is asked of her. And then she leaves it to Boaz as her guardian redeemer. And similarly, we've got to leave uh, the work with God. Once we do what he asks of us, we, we, although it's tempting, if we try to meddle with the work when he really hasn't given us further instruction, rather than just waiting and resting for his next instruction or for him to work on our circumstance, um, we, we sometimes try to meddle with that process. See Ness in the biblical illustrator commentary says on this point, we must let God alone with his own work, which is then only well done when it is done by himself. So waiting is sometimes even more difficult than just the challenging acts of faith that God gives us. But waiting in itself is required of us. When we bring our struggles to God, rest at his feet, we cover ourselves with his garment and find the strength to endure what we need to bring. I'm sorry, what we need to endure until he brings the relief we need. One thing I want to point out about the passage is that while God doesn't always change our circumstance, he will always meet our need in the midst of it. And Ruth, even before Boaz went to go to the town gate and to speak to the other relative about being the guardian redeemer, even before that happened, he gave her barley and told her he did not want her to go home empty-handed. So she left filled and with her arms overflowing. And in the same way, even if we are going to God continually and we're saying, Lord, please act on my behalf. Please do something here. I'm waiting. I haven't heard from you. I need an answer. I need a step. What do you want me to do next? Whatever we're waiting for, even if God doesn't immediately answer us in our circumstance, we are not going to leave his presence empty handed. He comforts us. He rejuvenates us. He gives us his presence and we too can go back to our situations full and at peace, even when they don't always change the way we want. Sometimes God doesn't change our circumstance the way we want. Sometimes he just gives us strength to get through it. We can still know that he's working on it, that he's got it, that he knows what's going on with us. And we too have our arms full, even though our circumstances may still be so difficult and challenging. And there may be 
pieces to them that we just still are just not understanding. I want to close in prayer before I do. I think the question for all of us is just simply this. In our circumstance at the moment, are we, are there any steps? And, I, and this is even a challenge for me too as I'm, I'm going through this. Are there steps that we can ask God, do we still need to take? Are there steps that we've skipped over or there's anything we need to go back to that we could say, okay, I've maybe skipped over that because I thought it was just too unusual or I didn't really think it was God. Can we pray about some confirmation for that? And then is there something that's still left undone that we, we just need to go ahead and leave and, and go back and do it? So are there steps that we still need to complete? And the other question for us, if we have completed what God has asked, are we simply waiting in his presence or are we, are we trying to pick back up the mantle again of working out a plan of striving to make things happen of checking up on the status? Are we driving ourselves crazy? Just trying to understand that, which God hasn't helped us to understand. Sometimes God will give us an answer and help us understand, but sometimes he won't. And one of the things I'm learning right now is that I have to be okay with just accepting that I will not understand everything. I just won't. And there's peace in that. I can let it go because I can wear myself out trying to turn it over and turn it over in my mind. Well, maybe this is because of this, or maybe it's because of that, or maybe. And if he hasn't told me anything, well, then I just need to stop. And so, it, you know, are there, is there more that we could do or do we just need to rest? And that's a question for us. I want to just go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you so much for real people in your word that lived in real hard situations that we can look at their lives and we can learn so much for them. Lord, in our own situations, if you've told us to act in faith, help us to have the courage to do so. If we've skipped over steps because they just seem too odd for us, help us to have the courage to go back if you are giving us that nudge. Or Lord, if you have asked us to step out in faith and go down a particular path and there's no more instruction you give us at the moment, help us to just rest to keep actively seeking you in that circumstance, but Lord, not to try to take up and make a plan when you haven't given us one or just to forge our own path if you aren't leading us a particular way, Lord, to just rest and to leave it to you if you've told us that you are working things out to just trust that you are. Thank you, Lord, that you take care of us, that Lord, even when we get ahead of you or maybe we're lagging a little behind and we're, we're not quite in the place you want for us, Lord, that you instruct us, that you will help us. Lord, if we need to confess where we've been disobedient, we've gone off another path, Lord, we can do that in this moment. We can get right once again. That, Lord, because of your work on the cross, because of Jesus, that, Lord, our imperfections are covered by your blood, that we can walk with you even though we're not perfect, that we can do your will even though we're not perfect and that you'll help us to do what it is you want so we can live out your purposes on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.